Hello, and thank you for tuning in again live. Today is Monday, January 15th. It is 12 o'clock at noon. And thank you for joining the Skill Building Monday Drawing Group. Uh, I am your host, Jason Leeser, and would like to welcome everyone to today's episode. And if this is working for you, please let us know in the comments or in the chats. Um, please tag a friend who loves tattoos. Help us get the word out about this show. Uh, make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button down at the bottom of the page. That way you can stay up to date for any new episodes coming up, as well as announcements on all of our other shows on this great channel. And welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams, real-world events, to share and inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. <clears throat> Uh, we beam out nearly every day and with your help have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You can find Reinventing the Tattoo in both of the app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, as well as our Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel, our Reinventing the Tattoo Roku channel, which has 12 to 15 different episodes going at any given time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week as well as all of the major podcast directories such as Apple and Spotify. Or you can do what most people do and just open up your web browser and do a quick search for Reinventing the Tattoo and you'll find it all, except for the book, which is still currently out of print. But no matter where you are watching live or on demand, you can always get the latest and greatest, most up-to-date information, all available at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. You can try it out for free. You do not have to subscribe right away. We have three different options for you to try it out. The first is a sample webinar from the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. The second option is to get some free advice from Guy Aitchison about your unique goals. And the third option for fellow tattoo history nerds such as myself, a comprehensive tattoo history course from Jay Brown, which I highly recommend. If you're looking for the evolution of tattooing throughout the ages, take a look at the tattoo history course from Jay Brown. You will not be disappointed. I can guarantee that. At reinventingthetattoo.com, we also have a full event schedule with full weekly and special event live stream details, all available for you to access. We also have access to our Reinventing 24-7 channel which is a lot like our Roku channel. It's got 13 different episodes playing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as well as access to over a, a host of professional development videos from over 20 world-class tattoo artists. This includes people like Bob Tyrell, who has a skull seminar, BJ Betts three-hour lettering guide, Andre Malcolm's got a whole koi fish half-sleeve tutorial, all available at reinventingthetattoo.com in the professional development course area. Once again, if this is working for you, please let us know in the comments and in the chat, and please tag a friend who loves tattoos. We have a number of weekly staple shows we always encourage people to tune into. Starting off the week on Mondays at 9 a.m., we have Drawing for Tattooers with James Wisdom, where we get to go through and discuss basic drawing techniques and strategies to help us get back to our roots that those fundamental roots of being a fine artist in the tattoo field. Following Drawing for Tattooers at 9 a.m., we have the Skill Building Monday Drawing Group here with me at 12 noon on Mondays, 
where we go through and we work on certain skills, whether it's procreate, whether it's marketing or social media or uh, just drawing skills in general. Uh, maybe it's watercolor painting, um, different philosophies on fine art. That's all available here at the Skill Building Monday Drawing Group with me, Jason Leeser. And capping off Mondays at 9 p.m., we have a subscribers exclusive drawing group with Sandy McAndrew from the Reinventing the Tattoo Network, where we go through and we discuss different parts of the Reinventing the Tattoo canon. Now, the Monday evening drawing group is only available for people that have the Reinventing the Tattoo Evolution or the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon subscription. I can tell you, coming from personal experience, those Monday night drawing groups alone are worth every cent. Um, I did them for a very long time, a better part of two years straight. And I was, if you look at the work I started out doing versus the work that I'm doing now, you can definitely see an evolution in my drawing skills. You can see an evolution in everything that I'm currently doing from my painting to my tattoos that I'm creating. Can't recommend that enough. And that's Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Tuesdays at 11 a.m., we have the Tattoo Weekly Show with Gabe Ripley, Lauren Gregory, and Jake Meeks from the Fireside Tattoo Network. Uh, where we go through and we discuss current events in the tattoo industry, whether it's laws being passed or new uh, inventions and devices that are coming out to help us streamline our process. Um, all of that and a lot more is discussed during the Tattoo Weekly on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Following that, on Wednesdays at noon, we have the Tattoo Now show with Gabe Ripley, where we go through and we discuss uh, more of the business side of tattooing. Uh, we get to go through and talk about marketing strategies and branding, travel visas, taxes, um, budgeting, and all of that good stuff. That's Wednesdays at noon, the Tattoo Now show with Gabe Ripley. And capping off the week on Thursdays at 6 p.m., we have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast with Fawn Baker, where we get to go through and talk about some of our stories about collecting tattoos and what we look for in uh, tattoo collections. Um, it's a great show. Always recommend people to tune into that. And that's Thursdays at 6 p.m. Uh, we do have one special event coming up, and that is going to be Hell City. Hell City, Columbus, Ohio. And that will be taking place in the end of May. Uh, more details on that later, but we will be doing a live broadcast straight from Hell City. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. Please stay tuned for more details on that. Would like to go through right now and take a minute to thank some of our sponsors and some of the people that make these shows happen. Starting off with worldtattooevents.com, the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. As we know, living in this post-pandemic era, there are still certain tattoo events and conventions that are getting rescheduled. So if you want to stay up to date with the latest and greatest information, about tattoo events coming to a city or town near you. Or maybe it's one you plan on visiting. I always try to book my vacations around tattoo events because that's just who I am. But I always go to worldtattooevents.com for the most up-to-date tattoo calendar and event information out there. Would also like to thank tattoonow.com, technology for tattooers. 
the leading edge in professional development, management, and digital tools for tattoo artists of all levels. They're constantly keeping everything upgraded and updated. They are competitive with any type of CRM, mailing list, or scheduling software out there. So if you're looking for the digital tools to get more clients to come through the door that want to get the kind of tattoos that you want to do, take a look at TattooNow.com. They can help you simplify and streamline your process to help you get the most out of your day-to-day -day tattoo business. Would also like to thank the man, the myth, and the legend and the inspiration behind Reinventing Tattoo. Um, that is Guy Aitchison at GuyAitchison.com. Uh, he is the founder and inspiration behind Reinventing the Tattoo. You can go to GuyAitchison.com where you can pick up a copy of his Biomech Encyclopedia, some of his tutorial DVDs. I believe he still has a couple of custom coil machines for sale, as well as countless fine art prints and occasionally the original oil painting, all for sale at GuyAitchison.com. Would also like to go through and say a very quick shout out and thank you to the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. Um, the number one resource for tattoo apprentices and apprentice hopefuls. If you are looking for information on tattoo apprenticeships, what to expect, what to look for, uh, you know, what's a good one going to be like, what's a bad one going to be like, take a look at the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols, where you can find all of that information and a lot more. As always, we ask that if you like today's show, by all means, please go through, help us get the word out. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button to make sure that you stay up to date with all of the new shows coming out and all of the new episodes. If you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event, become a sponsor of our community. Or if you're looking for a fine art or a tattoo critique, you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com and we will get back to you just as soon as we can. Um, and that kind of wraps it up for our intro today. And let me just take a look and see if anyone has decided to join us. Not just yet. Um, and that is totally fine. Um, so today I'm going to issue a challenge out to everyone. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see where this is going to go. And I'm kind of interested to see uh, what people you know, come up with. Um, and I'm going to be going through and doing a very quick demo of this in just a second. But I wanted to issue a challenge, uh, circles, <laughs> um, a challenge to everyone out there. And that's to take your favorite thing to draw, right? Your favorite thing out there, whether it's waves, whether it's mushrooms, could be skulls, maybe it's uh, tigers or lions or bears. Oh my, um, you know, anything that you like to draw. Maybe it's uh, lady heads, hands, um, dragons. This is the year of the dragon, according to the Chinese zodiac. So I love dragons. Um, whatever it is that you really love to draw, and I want you to try to break it down into its most basic shapes and forms. And then reconstruct it using nothing but those basic shapes and forms, right? So, and I'm going to give everyone an example. Uh, let me switch over to, I believe here. Nope, wrong one. There we go. Um, so this is 
Procreate for the iPad. Um, it's one of my favorite programs to work on. I love sketching on it. Um, and I will be keeping up to the comments. So if you have a comment, by all means, please drop it in the chat. Uh, Stefan, uh, circles. Yes. Circles are drawing a perfect circle is really difficult for most human beings. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Circles are the basis of a lot of different things. Um, I always start off with circles because I like the way that you can make them move in space and three dimensions. Um, but today I'm going to be drawing a very simple chrysanthemum. Um, chrysanthemums by nature are very intricate and they are very kind of tricky to draw. They've got a lot of moving parts. They've got a lot of different elements. Um, and they can get really, really, really overly complex. Uh, but when you break it down to their basic, basic shapes, they're very easy to draw. Um, and I'm just going to start out, you know, as I mentioned before, I just like to start with circles, um, you know, very broad, very light, nothing crazy. Um, I'll probably draw, let's do... I always like to think of circles when I draw them as more as spheres, right? Even though they're not shaded or anything like that, I always still like to look at them as a sphere. Um, and I tend to draw a bit of like a, um, almost like a, uh, a, a cross design following a natural curve of the sphere, just so that I can remind myself that, hey, this is a, round spherical center to this mom. Um, you know, it does move, it does curve in space. Um, it is not flat. Uh, so it's just kind of a gentle reminder for me that, you know, hey, what I'm drawing is going to involve some depth, some perspective, some dimension. Um, you know, it's going to involve a lot of different things. So I'm going to take that and just make that a bit lighter. So I've got the base of my chrysanthemum here. In fact, I may make that just a hair bigger for today's purposes. We'll center it a little bit more. Now, keep in mind, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, like I mentioned before, it's really difficult for, um, you know, human beings in and of themselves to actually draw a 100% perfect circle. Um, there are people out there that can do it. If you can, more power to you. I don't know how you do it. I know it takes a lot of practice, but that's not me. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to start out with a circle and on top of the circle on a new layer, I'm going to start to add my interior petals. Now for my interior petals, I always like to give myself a couple of different layers. Right. So I'll just draw like where I want the upper edge of a specific layer to be. Um, and then I'll draw maybe just like a small little opening at the top of the chrysanthemum, just kind of show how it's blooming. And I haven't really used any basic shapes or anything but basic shapes yet. You know, a couple of curved lines and then a couple of circles. 
Um, this, I guess you could count as an oval, you know, but this is all just very basic stuff. This is, anyone can do this with a little practice. Okay. So I'm going to add, so this is going to be my next layer or my first outer layer of, um, smaller petals towards the middle of the chrysanthemum. The next thing I'm going to do is start drawing other ovals, but these are going to be vertical ovals. And I'm just trying to make sure that the top edge of these ovals, once again, just drawing very light, just kind of coincides with the edge of the circle that I drew for the top edge of the first outer layer of petals. Right, not not very difficult so far, right? Um, then I'll draw another oval, another oval, another oval, another oval, and then another oval. Okay. Once again, not very difficult. Anyone can start out like this. Sometimes you got to play around with your sizing and spacing a little bit, but that that comes with time and experience. And I've been drawing chrysanthemums like this for quite a while. I became obsessed with drawing them and have spent a lot of time sketching them, um, trying to break them down using this exact method. You know, really just looking for what are the most basic of basic shapes that I need to use to draw a chrysanthemum. So we've got that layer. Great. Now we're going to go through and do the same thing again for this inner layer. And if they overlap and it starts to look a bit busy, that's totally fine. Because right now we're just laying out basic shapes, uh, just trying to grasp positioning. We're just trying to grasp where is everything going to sit. And I haven't used anything other than circles, ovals, and a couple of lines. But you can already start to see how things are developing and how things are evolving. Now, some of you might be wondering why I did ovals horizontally back here, and that's going to, that is actually because these are going to be just the tops of the chrysanthemum petals um, as they kind of curve around from the back of the chrysanthemum. You're only going to see a top portion of the petal, and because you're not seeing the real length of that petal, you're only really seeing the width. So I'm using this to kind of determine how wide do I want these chrysanthemum petals to be. Okay. So we've got that. And now we're going to go through and we're going to draw a couple of other ovals. And these can be pretty much anywhere um, and facing in almost any direction. And I'll show you exactly what I mean. Um, we'll do one over here. Let's do one here. Keep those a bit more parallel. Maybe we can do one down here. Another one facing this direction. We'll do 
let's do one here kind of off to the side that's going in a totally opposite direction of any of these guys uh we'll do let's do another one up here and we'll do one let's see we'll do one here going in that direction we'll do one here ish going in that direction another one here ish and here um then we can do do one there we'll do one here we'll do one mm, let's do a weird one maybe here and then we'll do you know what we'll do one going pretty much straight up over here we'll do a horizontal one here and then we'll do maybe one here these are going to be our longer petals and once again i haven't done anything but used ovals circles and a couple of lines that's it so i'm going to create a new layer on top and i'm going to show you exactly how these become chrysanthemum petals so the first thing we're going to want to do is draw a line indicating the center of each petal so for this guy i'm going to draw a line that kind of curves down and comes right underneath the middle of this chrysanthemum and you'll notice that i always pick a spot a little bit off the middle of these lines right and that's going to give me a lot of perspective because if this chrysanthemum petal is curving towards me i'm going to see a lot more of the width towards the back end of the petal like here and i'm also going to see a front edge of the petal here same thing with here i'm going to bring this down and around and these are just basic curved lines these are not anything fancy and you can draw these in any number of different ways doing any number of different things so we can draw this one you know what we'll give this one a bit more of like an angle i always like to give these a bit more of like a harsh angle to show where bends are in the actual petals this guy is going to be a little bit tricky um so let's go through and well, first, I want to get rid of this so I don't get confused because this is where things can start to get a little confusing. So for this guy here, let's do this. We're going to cut this one in half. We'll bring it down and then in. Um, this one over here, we're going to cut this one down. And we'll give it a nice little bend there. And then that can come in. This guy will come down and then in. This one, we're going to give a bit of a different angle because we want to have a little bit of counter flow here. So this is actually going to come this direction and then up. 
because I, I always like to draw chrysanthemums with having petals going every different direction and all different ways and with all different shapes. Um, this guy, we're going to keep going that way, and then we'll bring that over there. Um, this one is going to be a little more tricky, but we can draw this one like so, and then over. And then that'll give us a couple of little petals down at the bottom. Now we're going to continue to do this with the same thing up top. You can go with one bend or two bends, however many suits you. Um, whatever your preference is, you can make exactly that many bends. Um, sometimes I like to have them come up and down, and I'll give it two bends. Uh, that'll make it a little bit more angular and make it look like it's coming over the top a little bit more. This one we can do Let's do this guy. We'll have this guy just going straight up basically and then coming back down. This one we can bring up and bend and back down. This one we'll have coming down this way, and we'll bend that in that way. This one will come up, down, and back over. You know what? Let me draw one or two other ones down here. Maybe we'll do another one here. Mm. Ah. And then we'll do another one maybe back here just so that we've got a little bit of extra flow to it. Come down and over. This guy can come down and around. Now I always do try to get them to all like, you know, join in in a more natural and original and kind of fun way. Um, sometimes you don't want too many petals because it can make things a bit busy. Uh, so now that I'm looking at things, maybe, maybe I won't do this guy. You know, because I want things to still be legible. Um, you know, but these are just different ways. And once again, this is all just using a couple of lines, some ovals and circles. So now I'm going to take this and I'm going to make that a little bit softer and I'm going to make that a little bit more faint. Uh, kind of like you would be using tracing paper, right? Every layer of tracing paper that you put on top of it, um, it's going to make it a little bit more muted and a little bit more foggy. So it's a lot less clear and it's a lot less opaque. Great. And I'm actually going to change the color and make this color a little bit darker. And I'm going to change my pencil. So for these petals that we just drew, one sometimes people will like to go through and um, sometimes they'll just draw, you know, ovals and curly cues to remind them that it is a cylindrical object. I've drawn so many different chrysanthemums that I just kind of keep that tucked in the back of my head. And I want to pick one that I know is going to be coming furthest forward to start with. 
So we'll pick here to start. I'm just going to start off with a curve, almost like a, uh, a triangle. And then I'm going to come down, down, finding that curve, and then back up. So straight line, curved line, and then we just add a couple of little bumps and edges to the inside of the pedal. Now I should probably make this a little thicker just because of the weight distribution. Um, you know, you don't want the, the base of the pedal to be too thin. That just kind of looks weird. So we'll make this guy a little bit wider. You know, here's where you can really start to embellish a lot of these uh, chrysanthemum petals. You can give them wide tops. You can give them very small, narrow um, points. And I'll show you what that looks like here. Once again, think of this as like a little triangle. We've got our oval. And then I'm just going to draw a couple of straight lines and that with a slight curve at the end. So this will be the inside. This one will be a bit bigger. So that'll come over here and then just some straight lines. That's all it takes. Um, now, when you want to get into a more kind of fancy or put a little bit more effort into it, that's when you're going to start to arc the insides. Maybe you'll give this a little bit more of a point to show where it bends. Um, and I always try to give these little bits of points anywhere where that pedal is going to flex in just because it gives it a more natural look. Okay, this one's going to be a little tricky because I want this one to be facing down. So we're really only going to see part of the back of it. And I'll show you how we do that. We're just going to do a little crossover line. And then connect this to down here. Triangle. Oval. And then this line is going to kind of come over the side. And if we've got that coming over the top, then this is going to be back here. And then we'll just give this like a little bump where the interior portion would be flexing. And if that's our center line, then this is all going to be the inside of the pedal because we've got it curving around. This one's going to be more to the side, so I'm going to start off with like a triangle. Define this oval. Give this a pretty sharp angle and in. Then just draw some straight lines for the inside. Maybe we'll make this oval a touch bigger. Now this one back here that I kind of forgot about, this one's going to be a bit more forward in space. Um, so, and I do often confuse myself a lot with certain things, especially with all these lines, which ones do I want coming forward? Which do I want hanging further back? 
I want this one to come forward a little bit more. So I'm going to erase and block out some of these other petals that would be obscured by the distance of this petal. And if anyone has any questions at any time, by all means, please feel free to ask. This would just end up being this oval. So we're going to stick to the outer edge of that. And that's going to come around inner portion inside. And then that way we've got a nice little, oh, well, it started out behind this one and now it's coming in front of it. So it's going to kind of show a little bit of a sense of depth. Same thing with here, triangle with like a little hook, curve, curve, and then curve. Maybe we'll show a little bit of the far edge of this. That's going to be about it because that's going to end up traveling back behind a lot of these and then coming forward. This guy over here, this one we're going to have, you know what, let me, I'm going to do another one here just to kind of fill in this little awkward gap. So we're going to come down and then in. Curve, curve, and then in. Then this is going to be the back portion of that petal, inner portion. This guy over here, we're going to go with a triangle at the top, tiny little spike, curve, 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 and over. This is going to follow, and then we're going to do a kind of just like straight lines and straight angles. So anywhere where there's a bend on the outside, we want to have a little bump on the inside just to show where that inner pedal is flexing. What's up, creature? Um, down here for this one, we want this one to be giving us a little bit of counter flow. So we're going to go draw our spine, triangle, curve, curve. Now I've, I've got this bump here because I want it to change direction. Boom. And then we're going to start to see a little bit more of the inside because this is going to wrap around and change angles. So we're going to see more of this backside. And then as it moves towards the inside of the chrysanthemum, that's when we start to see more of the middle. Make this a little wider. Triangle, oval, line, line, curve, curve, line, curve. 
That one was easy. You know, so as you build these up with your basic, 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 basic shapes, you can really start to refine them and add in other simplistic shapes that can really help you make a difference. Hey, Brad. Hey, Jason. How's it going? Awesome, man. I like your, your drawing that you're working on there. Yeah, you know, chrysanthemums are one of my fallbacks. Um, it's something I absolutely love drawing because you can make them incredibly intricate, but they're all built out of very, very basic, basic shapes. So it gives you a real good chance to work from broad to specific. You know, and as you as you draw them more and more and more, just like anything else, you develop your own little style to it. Um, you know, it's they're just a lot of fun, and you can get them to fit any area of the body too. That's one of the major things I love about them. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience myself with them. I'm pretty new to the drawing scene, tattoo scene, and everything. But um, they're definitely on my list of things to practice. Been trying oh, yeah. to trying to work my way through, you know, the foundations and everything. Well, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, trying to draw anything else, when you break it down to its basic, basic shapes and basic elements, it becomes so easy to construct anything you can imagine, human faces included. Um, you know, human faces, hands. Think of hands as blocks, right? Um, you know, if you look at the human finger, it's basically just um, a cube, a cube, a cube, and then a bigger cube, like a flatter, I guess that would be a polygon. Um, but it's, when you break everything down, it helps you define your shadows and where your shadows fall. It helps you define where your light's going to fall. Um, it can help you curve things out. So if you're looking for, say we're drawing a finger, right? That would be a sphere at the tip of it and then connected to a cube, connected to a cube, connected to a cube, right? So that would kind of teach us how we want to shade each little thing. Um, when you start to break that down into other more complex shapes, you start to do more complex shapes, that's when understanding those basic fundamentals of basic shapes and basic shading really come into really come in handy because everything is based off of that. Yeah, definitely. I like the challenge that you issued this week. It was good to remind me to go back to the basics once in a while. You know, if, it's once again, revisiting basics is one of those situations. If we don't do it purposefully every now and then we get so lost in day-to-day -day stuff that it gets really hard to even keep focus on what it is that we're doing. So it's something I like to try to revisit, you know, as often as I can every couple of months, if need be, um, you know, even down to tattooing and tattoo technique you know, get back to your line work instead of, even if you do a lot of realism stuff, do a traditional piece every now and then, get back to your roots. Um, 
you know, get back to solid line work, get back to solid shading, high contrast stuff. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with revisiting your roots and revisiting your basics. Absolutely nothing wrong with that ever. I'm just trying to get my studio cleaned up here so I can actually have room to join you with some drawing. Right on, man. Right on. Yeah, I'm kind of piggybacking off of a uh, topic that James Wisdom was discussing this morning. Um, and that's basics, right? Getting back to basics, getting back to fundamentals, um, you know, and just keeping that kind of stuff in mind when it comes down to uh, a lot of our uh, fine art and our drawing techniques and drawing practices. Did James have his thing this morning? Uh, he did. He did. Uh, James Wisdom's Drawing for Tattooers is at 9 a.m. Um, and that is Monday mornings. Well, 9 a.m. Eastern time, because I know I, I'm pretty sure he's on Central time. But Is that still an open call where people can join? It absolutely is. Because I was looking for the link on that one, too, this morning on the reinventing page and it was bringing me to it said the link was expired november was like the last one or something hmm interesting um i know if you drop them a comment um while watching from say youtube or facebook or wherever you might be watching from i'm pretty sure he can send you a link directly um if not let me know and i'll make sure that a link is posted for next week yeah, it was in the reinventing calendar on the main webpage there. That's okay. where I joined it. I joined this call from that page, awesome. but but I wasn't able to join uh, James's call. Okay, well, I'll definitely get that set up so that you don't miss it next week. Um, I'll go through and um, give him a call this afternoon and make sure everything is set up for that. Uh, that way. You know, we always try to make sure everyone can join in if at all possible. Um, I like to set up all my stuff, you know, way in advance so that there's never any kind of problems. Um, but I'll get on them about that today and make sure that that's squared away for next week. Cool. Yeah, I've been told myself I was going to try to join more of these groups because they're so awesome and think you know if you if i'm able to discipline myself to do them at least once in a while i'll be able to see a lot of improvement absolutely you know and part of it's just sticking with it you know and making sure that you have you set aside the time to do it you know it really is just it just comes down to making sure that you you know make it a priority it's um you know, I try to reserve Mondays for getting drawings done for appointments throughout the week, making sure that I've got time to work on my own projects a little bit, whether it's, you know, working on my website, which still isn't up, but hopefully will be eventually. Um, maybe one day I'll get to it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like I always try to reserve Mondays for making sure that I set aside time not just for me to have my own personal time, but to make sure that, you know, I can revisit 
the basics. I can get back to oil painting. I can get back to working with watercolors and I hate acrylics, but if I wanted to get back into acrylics, I could do that. You know, Mondays, typically I like to reserve for, you know, my days for me. Um, so that I can get the stuff done that I know needs to be done. So, but that's just who I am. Yeah, I definitely need to work on my time management a little bit, but I gotta oh, give myself a break both. sometimes, you know. Yeah. I definitely got a lot on my plate right now, too. So it's nice to just kind of sometimes kick back and relax with the family, too. And oh, absolutely. Not, not put so much stress on myself for, for being behind on my own goals that I set for myself, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that it is something that, you know, I'm also currently working on is, you know, being a little bit more flexible with my own personal goals and not quite so rigid or, you know, not getting down on myself so much if I'm not achieving my own personal goals. Um, you know, because there are a lot of other things to factor in in life. Family time is one of them. Um, you know, making sure that we take time for the uh, business side of things, you know, taking care of business. Um, I actually heard a great lecturer once say that, um, you know, sometimes you have to stop being Mickey Mouse and start being more Walt Disney. And that really kind of hit home um, because, you know, a lot of being a part of this career path and this life is um, spent doing what we love. You know, we love drawing. We love tattooing. We love painting. We love creating art. But sometimes we have to take a step back from doing that and really focus on business if we really want to be successful. Um, you know, so sometimes we have to start being more Walt Disney instead of Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I like so. that. Never heard that one before. Yeah, I hadn't ever heard it either until I did. And it's literally been a thought in the back of my head for the past like six months. I wonder if it's a more of an American expression. Uh, could be. Or not. I'm up in uh, New Brunswick, Canada. Oh, man. Oh, see, right there, you're already heads and feet above me. Um, I am like obsessed with Canadian artists. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty sad actually. I met some of my favorite Canadian tattooers at the Puerto Rico show, and totally fanboyed out. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it was bad. It was really, really. I felt like, you know, I was ten years old meeting Mickey Mouse. It was great. Um, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, you're here. Oh my God. <laughs> they were like, yeah, what, what, are you okay? Like, do you, do you need to, are you having a panic attack or something? You know? Uh, but you know, a lot of my favorite artists that are out there are Canadians. So um, I swear there's gotta be something in the water up there that makes all of you guys absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, everyone from, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, in Quebec, Montreal, Calgary, um, BC, I mean, everywhere, every, every Canadian artist I've ever seen is like just naturally awesome. So 
I'm trying to keep up with you guys. Well, that's cool to hear. Hopefully, I'll I'll get to that place someday. Uh, I've been following a lot of American artists, so I'm kind of on the opposite side, I guess. Yeah, especially with this uh, reinventing group, the the people that I'm getting exposed to. Yeah, reinventing the tattoo has been one of the best things that I have ever done in my life. Um, It's not only taught me more about what I'm capable of doing, you know, because when I first joined, I was like, well, you know, I read the book years ago and I understood it. And, you know, you know, it, it wasn't really my thing. You know, it's not really what I'm trying to do a lot more of. And then, you know, I kind of picked up on the fact that, hey, this is more like just a college art class than it is like, you know, style specific or anything like that. It's it's a lot more about fundamentals and fundamental principles than it is about, you know, getting into any specific style. Uh, When I realized that it completely changed the way I looked at everything Um, and I started to incorporate a lot more of it into a lot of the work that I was doing. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Like I never had any real formal art background. I did maybe the high school classes, every one that I could take, but then I did science in university, but just from the reinventing course alone, um, my mom is a, is a pretty skilled acrylic painter and she probably took more courses than I did, but she always asked for my opinion on her paintings and stuff. And, just from what I've learned from the, the reinventing course, like I can apply the, the principles, give her tips that she finds like even better than her, her, her art instructor at her class that she's getting. Absolutely. And you I know, think I, like she's more of a uh, skilled painter than I am, but she does appreciate the, the input, different perspective too. Absolutely. You know, um, I remember having a discussion with Guy one time about, you know, the impact that reinventing the tattoo had on me. And I was fortunate enough when I was younger that I actually got a copy of the, uh, the reinventing the tattoo, uh, book, the first edition back when it first came out and it was like a three ring binder. Um, and that alone put me and taught me more about fine art and fine art principles and drawing principles than most of the college courses that I was taking at university. Um, And, you know, if it wasn't for that, I would not have understood half of what I did in college uh, because it was never really explained in plain language. So to have someone sit back and explain things in a way that anyone can understand completely transformed, uh, you know, just the way that I look at art and the different elements that I utilize and why those elements are being utilized for whatever it is I'm looking at. You know, I can look at Monet or Manet or Cezanne or Caravaggio. I can look at, you know, any number of, Uh, Italian Renaissance painters or Dutch painters. And I can understand the principles that they're using to get the illusions and the effects that they're creating with their paintings. 
And it's, I, I never would have been able to do that otherwise. Um, because it was, like I said, it was never really explained to me in a way that I could understand it. Yeah. But reinventing the tattoo does. Yeah, the layout of the course is just so great. That can walk you through like so many. It's like a full art college course. I don't know. I did. It I didn't really is. College, but but I definitely learned a lot. In many ways, it's better than a lot of art courses that you take in college, um, because it it is going through and it's giving you specific elements to work on to improve what it is you're doing um, and to illustrate certain principles. Now, when, so I did go to art school, but like I said, I didn't really get too much out of it because it, not that I wasn't trying, you know, I put every effort I could into art school. I just couldn't grasp some of the concepts because they were never truly explained. Um, so it, in many ways, I find that the reinventing the tattoo courses, uh, are way better than any college art courses I had. Personal opinion, I'm not saying if, you know, people that are out there listening that are going to art school, I'm not saying don't go to art school. Um, I'm just saying that this is what I found to be more beneficial than you know spending all of the years i did going to art school it's just a personal personal opinion i have i i think i agree with you i mean i didn't go to art school but just the the value that the course has just from a monthly kind of payment side of things and and a time perspective like i could have taken so many different courses online in pursuit of you know i'm trying to teach myself how to tattoo and become a better artist and just having one course that has a great app great interface that has it planned out you know he's been working on the content for a long time and making iterations and iterations and just can walk you through like that much content in 48 weeks right yeah, it's it's impressive. It's a know? really great value, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to uh, work my way through it all the way to get the certificate. And nice. I did 48 weeks. I, might, I probably already paid for the subscription twice over. I've been, haven't been doing every Monday night class. I try to hit a four or five in a row, and then I kind of get busy there with work, but... I think the last thing that I'm need to submit is like an actual tattoo, big tattoo in a critique is like one of the last chapters. I don't know. Did you manage to yeah. work your, your way through it all the way? Oh, I, I did it for about a year and a half straight through no breaks, no time off, nothing about that. Um, you know, and I submitted quite a few different tattoos for critiques over that period of time. Um, and, you know, it's honest feedback. It's good constructive feedback, which is something that you might not get with, you know, other people that might be critiquing different things. 
Um, but it's really, really helpful. Um, and it can really help you figure out and point out, you know, things that maybe you didn't see. Um, I do a lot of self critiques and I critique every single thing that I do. And I think most of what I do is not very good. Um, you know, I, I understand that it's probably better than some, but you know, I always try to be a little bit hard on myself. Just number one, I don't want to develop an ego. And number two, I always know that there's always more room for improvement. Um, you know, so I, I just, it just keeps me humble that way, but there are certain things that would always get pointed out to me about what it is I'm doing that I would never have picked up on otherwise. Um, so it can be very beneficial to do that. And I still, to this day with a lot of my coworkers, um, will go through and I'll sit down with them and I'll say, Hey, can I get a quick crit from you? Um, and, uh, they'll go through and they'll say, okay, like what you did here, this worked really well. This needs more contrast. Um, you know, I think this could be done better. Uh, this doesn't really have a very solid readability or flow to it. Um, you know, so you may want to revisit that the next time they come in, you know, and it's, it's always nice to get feedback about certain things like that, because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. Um, but if we come out of the gate and we just think that, you know, oh, well, I thought this was done really well. It's like, okay, but yeah, maybe it was done well, but there's always room for improvement and here's what you could work on for the next one. Um, you know, but it's always nice to get a second opinion and to get an outside perspective on things, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're creating a user interface for a website. It doesn't matter if you are writing a book. Um, it doesn't matter if you're making a painting or a drawing or a tattoo. I always, always try to get external opinions from other people because I know that there's always something that I could be doing better, you know, but that's also one of my own philosophies. Um, it's probably also my own, uh, just my own nature about the way that I am. I always have imposter syndrome, like no tomorrow. So <laughs> I shouldn't be tattooing. Yeah. No. Right. I I have imposter syndrome, but I'm actually not, tattooing yet so i think it's fair <laughs> well you know i i once heard uh someone and i forget who exactly it was give someone advice um when they were talking about imposter syndrome they said good you should have imposter syndrome that means you're doing something right that means you're trying to take yourself to another level and you're trying to advance and you're trying to be better than you were um and it's like oh well that's a Way that I never really thought of imposter syndrome. So, you know, little, little stuff like that can be helpful sometimes just hearing a different perspective on something. Oh, but, definitely. Yeah. I never really thought about it consciously, but I definitely do reach out to people, you know, my partner start and then my, I have a few buddies, thankfully, like I'm not a tattooer, so I don't have a, that network of close people that would, you know, really help me accelerate as a tattooer. I do have a couple friends that are into tattooing that have really been 
encouraging and, and let me ask some questions and, and stuff. And I do have some friends in the art world where I can bounce my, my art off them, my designs. So that's been really great. Definitely um, getting the feedback from a different perspective, like you said. Yeah, like shows you something that you might not have thought of for sure. Right. When your friends or other people have different styles than you too, it can help take you in a, in a different direction. Absolutely. One of my favorite things to do, um, my a very, very, very good friend of mine, uh, Ian Chapin over at uh, Yellow Rose Tattoo out here in Pennsylvania, uh, is someone that I love to get critiqued by because he is a very super traditional artist who does phenomenally clean traditional tattoos. Um, but it's a very different style than what I typically do. So whenever I get critiqued by him, he's looking at it through his own lens. He's looking at it through the lens of, okay, if I was to do this um, in a traditional manner, what would it look like? What would I want to improve on it? And it gives me a bit of a different perspective on what it is I'm doing and maybe a different way that I could improve it. Um, just coming from his own personal input, you know, so completely different style, but also very valuable feedback um, because traditional tattoos are purposefully built to last. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't do a lot of traditional stuff. So for me to get the feedback from that is like, oh man, okay, well, looking at, Maybe I need to take that into more consideration. Maybe it needs more contrast, more black, whatever. Um, so it's always fun to get critiqued by him. Yeah, speaking of critiques by others, could I show you my... I'm trying to work on the same thing you are. Yeah. Um, not sure how I'm going to do this, though. I need to flip my camera around somehow. Well, I guess I could just do this. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so I was trying I'd to say, follow along. It kind of looks like a snow crab or something. It, it <laughs> really kind of does. Um, there are certain little hacks to doing the pedals. Um, I didn't really get into those today, but you know, following along with your basic shapes, I can see all the ovals. Um, I can see that interior with all of those groups of pedals. Um, that's going to be a great start to it. Uh, one thing, and I, I don't think I touched on this very much, but the one thing I do like to try to do is at the cross that I drew in the middle. Sometimes I'll draw a line going straight down. And what that'll do is that'll give me my center point okay. to that chrysanthemum. Um, all of the petals of a chrysanthemum come out from one centralized stem point. Um, so sometimes it's nice to have that as an anchor point. That way things don't get too kind of crazy with where those petals connect. Oh, okay. um, but I, I mean, dude, saying. great start. Great start. You could easily take that and add some bigger, longer ones. And next thing you know, you've got petals going everywhere. Um, you know, mine kind of has a snow crab look as well, you know, but I also try to draw a bit more condensed on the sides. So, um, 
that way. Otherwise, I have the tendency to just take up too much space. Um, you know, but I tend to draw chrysanthemums all the time in different ways to try to understand them more. Um, for example, I can point out a couple of things that are very, very wrong with this. I've got this one petal. Uh, I'll create this on a new layer and switch to yellow. So I've got this petal here that's coming over. That oh, yeah. shouldn't be there because if this is my central point here, mm -hmm. where all of my petals are radiating out from, oh, then this yeah. doesn't make sense. You know what I'm okay. saying? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point there with the, the center point on the bottom. Yeah. So, I mean, if I were to go back through and do this again, I'd probably do this one a bit different. Um, you know, but it, today is basically just an exercise in basic shapes and compounding shapes. So taking these basic shapes and then narrowing down everything just to work off of that compound effect when you work with basic shape and basic shape and basic shape and basic shape, and then you add them all together to create something. So it's not going to be the most beautiful chrysanthemum I've ever drawn, but it's a good illustration of understanding how shapes compound with each other. And that mm. was kind of what I wanted to get across today how you can take a whole series of ovals and draw a couple of additional lines. You know, say I want to draw this inner row of petals. Where's my other brush? There we go. Um, I can take these ovals that I drew first. I'm just going to give them a little spike and then just complete that oval. And now it's a chrysanthemum petal. Nice. Follow the center line of that petal. Come down here. You can look at this as a triangle, right? And then this is just the other sides of the oval. You know, so it, just understanding that and how certain things can really transform just by using basic shapes is exactly what I was trying to get across today. Now yeah, I was trying to uh, catch up with you there, mostly using I, your your stuff as a reference. Yeah. Oh, dude, I got I got all kinds of mums. I got um, I'll give you a quick example. So here's a mum I was working on for a background. Oh, wicked. Yeah, just you know, that's when I just sketched up the other day. Um, nice. you know, once again, using all just basic shapes. So if I add another layer. Yeah, I want to restart mine now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what this was an oval, 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 this was an oval. And then you can clearly see the circle that I started out with and how I did one layer and then another layer on the inside. And I'm just building 
oval off of oval off of oval. And then just connecting a few actual lines to create these chrysanthemum petals. This was an oval going in a different direction. This was one, this was one, this was one. You know, so yeah, it all nice breaks down into basic shapes. You know, and I can go through the same thing with dragons and dragon heads. Um, where's my dragons folder? Uh, where's a good one? Here we go. So pretty sick dragon head I sketched up a few months ago. Um, and I'll show you exactly what each one of these is based off of. Something like this, right? Nice. And this is this is all based off of here's a cylinder. Here's a circle. Here's another circle. Here's a square. Triangle. Circle, circle. Rectangle. Circle, circle. Uh, this is, sometimes I'll do like an inverted triangle here for the chin. Um, for this one, I was trying something out that was different. I was going to do rectangle and then a inverted triangle just to give the chin a bit more depth, but I didn't really like that. I like smaller chins on my dragons. Um, these are just triangles, right? For the horns. And then you just build off of that. Sometimes I'll do a third circle in between the two eye circles, just so that I know I've got my spacing right. Um, you could even say that I did a another like square off of here for that cheek. This would be a rectangle for this cheek, you know. And then you basically just connect the lines. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it looks you know, really good. This would come in to give the jaw a bit of a different angle. Um, this would come out for the nose. But this does give me the perfect way to go through and draw my nostrils. You know, here's the snout of the dragon. Here are my dragon eyes. This cylinder at the top, I usually take and I'll follow that around for the forehead. This one I'll take and I'll curve that up for the bottom of the eyebrow and I'll bring that over. This one I'll come over here um, and this is gonna be my other eyebrow, right? So I'll follow this up and around for that cylinder to kind of show where that brow ridge is. Then you follow the circle and now there's that head of the dragon. Everything breaks down into basic shapes, every single thing. Um, it doesn't matter what you are drawing. Everything is a basic shape. Some are more complex than others, but everything boils down to basic, basic, basic shapes. Snakes are super easy. 
they seem super intricate, but snakes are another thing I love to draw. Uh, mostly because they give me a lot of help with um, dragon bodies and understanding those. But drawing a snake head, here's an oval. Okay. Center line for the top of the head. Here's another oval for the cheek. And then I'll draw a small circle for the eye. New layer. From here, I'm going to go through and let's switch over to here. This is going to be a bit better. I'll draw like a little divot at the front of the snake head where the tongue would come out. And I'm going to come up and I'm going to give this a bit of a sharp angle. And we'll just take that all the way back. Then this is going to come down a bit more. And this is going to come all the way back with like a slight S-curve. Still have our eye. Great. Maybe I'll bring this up a little higher. Lower jaw is basically just a curve. This circle turns into the cheek. Right, and now I've got a whole bunch of ovals here for the cheek scales. These can be varied. You can change the shape of them. Sometimes I won't do the cheek that big, but for days, today's purposes, this will work fine. Oh, awesome. And there's a snake head. Right. I'm trying to follow along with you here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, been drawing snakes, mums, peonies, all that stuff for a very, very long time. Um, so I'm, I tend to be pretty quick with it. Um, just because it's muscle memory. You know, when you draw a snake a thousand times, you understand the concepts, your, your muscles automatically know exactly what shapes to draw, where, how, um, what angles I need to follow because you've spent so much time doing it, you're going to get good at it, guaranteed. Yeah, um, I can't wait for that to happen. Scales, and, uh, top scales are easy. Just draw a couple of diagonal lines and then a couple following the opposite direction that intersect. Right, and here's my head scales. We'll just round that out. Use the eye of my little sneak. This will come back. Now, don't be afraid to work very soft and very broad to very specific. Drill down as you're sketching, but start broad. 
start very, very broad, very open, very loose with everything. Um, the only reason why I can draw these so effectively and so quickly right off the bat, once again, because I've drawn 100,000 of them before, that's all I used to draw for a few years. Um, another way that you can go through and start off with a snake, just to give you an alternate way to do it. If I've got a couple of basic shapes lined out, another thing I can do, and I know a lot of, I, I actually picked this up from a Canadian artist, um, go through and start doing some volume shading. You know, sh start shading this in as a volumed shape. You know, um, oh, let me make this a little bigger. You know, start creating your volume. Because snake heads are cylinders. They're ovals, and it's kind of like a weird spherical cylinder type thing where the front and the back is kind of rounded off. You know, but start doing some volume sketching. You don't have to put in the eye right away. You can always change the placement on that. Uh, maybe I want to draw it with an open jaw. I might draw a couple of little, like, angles, right? But then I'm going to go through and sketch in the lower lip. And I want that to get bigger as it comes up. And then I want that to get smaller as it comes down. Maybe not quite as big at the bottom. You know, now all I have to really do is go through and add some teeth, uh, maybe a tongue. Maybe another fang there and there, another small little tooth guy here just as like placeholders, because I'm drawing with a pretty big brush, right? So nothing is going to be detailed. Nothing is going to be specific. You know, if you start off with a bigger brush by nature, it's not going to allow you to get obsessed with detail right off the bat. And I have a tendency to do that. So if I'm going to start out sketching, I always try to start with a pretty decent sized brush. And then from here, you would just Refine, 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 refine. Um, you know, and all I did was draw two ovals, a line, and a small circle. And now I've got a snake head. Um, you know, just by filling in that volume, keeping it nice and loose and light. You know, if you don't like it, hide the layer or, you know, grab a new sheet of paper. Um, I'm, I was also notorious for going through so many different pads of tracing paper when I was coming up in the tattoo industry that it's ridiculous. I used to have to buy a new one every week because I would start off with a layer like this 
and then I would add another layer on top. And then I wouldn't like that one. So I'd grab another piece and I'd do another piece on top. And then I wouldn't like that one. And I'd grab another piece and I'd put that on top. Then I wouldn't like that one. So next thing you know, 12 layers deep. And I finally get the next layer that I like, Um, (laughs) you know, but that's, that's one of the ways that you learn is you do it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, And there's no getting around it. Um, It's, it's a difficult way to do it, but it's going to be the most beneficial because once you learn how to draw the snake head, well, now you can take that and you can turn that into all types of different stuff. Um, you could turn that into a dragon head. You could turn that into um, a Medusa, right? Um, you know, learn, practice drawing a human face. And now you've got snakes and faces. Now you've got Medusa. Um, you know, there's all, you can draw worms, you can draw mushrooms, um, and it all comes from drawing very basic shapes. So just some food for thought. Uh, it's something I always like to try to revisit. Uh, I am a little bit over time today though. Um, so I am actually going to go through and start doing some sign offs. Uh, why don't you tell us how we can get a hold of you, uh, where we can see some of your artwork and, um, you know, how we could reach out to you if we wanted to. Well, thanks, Jason, for having me here. It's a good lesson. Um, I am on a little social media break right now. So if you're in Fredericton, you can find my art at the farmer's market. But uh, that's about it right now. Nice. But yeah, nice. I'll let you uh, do your sign off. Appreciate it, though. Thanks. Anytime. And if you ever have any questions, um, and I forgot to put this up earlier, if you ever have any questions, you can always reach directly on Instagram at Philly Inc. Or you can email me Jason at reinventingthetattoo.com. Thank you very much everyone for joining today and tuning in. Always appreciated. Thank you very much. Um, Please stay tuned for next week's episode, episode 139 of Skill Building Monday with me, Jason Leeser. Thank you all for joining me and uh, keep those things busy. Keep sketching.